Hello and welcome to Psychic Teachers. We are so happy to welcome back Phyllis Curat to our show. Her new book, Wicked Made Easy, is out now. We began our conversation with the discussion of the word Wicca and all that label implies. Just like our previous show with Phyllis, our conversation just kind of took off before we could do a proper introduction. So please pour yourself a cup of tea, sit back, and join us, dear friends, as we continue our fascinating dialogue with the amazing Phyllis Curat. Put the word witch or wicca, if you remove that word, and simply talk about the wisdom and the practices, the deep values, the spiritual core at the heart of this ancestral Euro-Indigenous wisdom tradition. That is where it began, the modern revival or resurrection. If you took away the words that frighten people because of hundreds of years of negative stereotypes and simply talked about the content, it would be, it is already the fastest growing spiritual tradition in the United, one of in the United States, in England and in Europe, and it's spreading now across the globe as it's matured. If you took away those two words that are burdened with these stereotypes, it would grow so much faster, a number of reasons, but primarily because it works, because it, you're not asked to believe anything. You're given an opportunity to use these age-old practices, many of which, if you do them, I think, properly. And, you know, I've been doing this for, I cannot believe it, like almost 40 years. My practice has become simpler and simpler and simpler. Although, you know, the, the essentials that I was taught at the beginning are still the essentials that I practice now, that I use now. And they work. So you're not asked to believe, you're asked to experience. And the, the other thing that I think makes it so appealing and so powerful is that you don't have to be wicked. You don't have to be a witch to benefit from the practices, just like you don't have to be Buddhist to meditate. And you don't have to be Hindu to practice yoga. And I have a friend who's a rabbi, and she has yoga classes, you know, in the temple basement every week. There are spiritual practices that have powerful spiritual impacts on people. They may, they, they will affect, I think, your point of view, your values, your ideas about divinity, but, and they may shatter some of the, what I think of as constraining beliefs that a lot of people are raised with. So they can be challenging. I mean, they can really, as I often say, right, they can rattle your cage. But that is what any, any, at the core of all religious traditions, that at the mystical heart of all of them, they should rattle your cage. You know, they should challenge you to to go deeper into the mystery and you can't do that with belief systems that are imposed on you by other people you can only do that by finding the practices the the means of clearing your own path and 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 being given the courage to walk that path the fact is that there's a reason that there are these negative stereotypes and you raised it in the one of the questions that you had for me. They were all like really smart, wonderful questions. And one of them, you know goes to that. How did this? How did this happen? How did we lose this rich vein of deep wisdom and opportunity to experience the magic of life? 
the divinity of life and the, the magic that comes from being in the presence of what's sacred. How did that happen? And, you know, it happened over a couple thousand years, but it happened most aggressively 500 years ago. I think it happened because religion became the territory of just men and women were excluded from participation except as passive recipients but they were no longer allowed to be leaders or bring their perspective as women, their bodily wisdom, their holy wisdom into the culture. I mean, in, not even into religious spheres, but into the body politic, into economics. You know, 500 years ago, the witch craze began, and it was sort of the last, the biggest effort to obliterate what was left of the indigenous traditions of our ancestors, the pre-Christian, pre-Abrahamic religions that were very much like Native American spirituality, you know, that that were rooted in spiritual practices that helped people to experience the sacredness of the world in which they lived and their intimate connection with that world, with the divinity of that world, and to be uh, in relationship with an earth that embodied the divine and that helped them to experience themselves as embodying that divinity, that was taken away from women, you know, 2,000 years ago, more, 5,000 years ago, with the, with this biblical story of Eve being evil, right, and, and being the reason for the downfall of humanity. And this whole Abrahamic idea that God was outside of creation and that man was given dominion over the earth, the animals, and women, and that the earth itself was devoid of divinity. And that was the moment, I think, where Western civilization, which is what we're part of, jumped the rails and really went off track and lost sight of the sacred and substituted hierarchy for intimacy and dogma for personal experience and politics for personal revelation. The roots of Wicca and witchcraft are shamanic. They are shamanic. I mean, the word is 5,500 years old. It goes back to the Indo, the Proto-Indo-European. That's the language, it was the, one of the biggest language systems in the globe. And it connects us to the culture of India, Sanskrit, and Hindu mysteries. And it moved across Europe. It was 5,500 years ago, that's sham that is shamanism, is a technology, it's a spiritual technology that helps with various techniques that help you to alter consciousness in very simple ways. And in those altered states, one is able to see realms of spirit and engage in relationships with spirit guides and teachers. And in Western culture, would be referred to as angels, but in shamanic cultures, it's a much broader category of helping spirits and beings. And then to return to this world that we live in, you know, in this sort of everyday consciousness, like cross the street, make dinner, you know, don't get hit by a car, pay the bills. But you come back with wisdom and guidance and insight and the experience of communion and information that's very helpful about healing plants and all kinds of things. But most importantly, you come back with new eyes able to see the world that you live in as sacred. And if anybody can do that, you don't need institutions. You need teachers, you know, and shamans and people who are particularly gifted at it who can help you, but you don't need big hierarchical religious institutions, which is what we ended up with. We ended up with God someplace else, male, 
and, uh, you know, and a son, rabbis and ministers and priests and mullahs, all of whom are male, male ideas about divinity, male ideas about spirituality and power. And the result of all of that, we're looking at the great environmental crisis empowered, and it was made even worse during the witch craze, when, which now academics refer to as the women's holocaust. You know, you guys know I'm a lawyer, so I was very interested in this, especially as a young woman lawyer, was to discover that the origins of the stereotypes that scare us away from this ancestral wisdom tradition came about during the witch craze, which lasted, I, I didn't know this, it lasted almost 500 years. It started in the late 1300s, bad 1400s, picked up where the Inquisition left off and went off the hundreds of years, into the right into the late 1800s, actually. Women lost all legal rights. They became chattel, property. They couldn't, they certainly couldn't own property. They belonged to husbands and fathers, brothers who killed them or, or sell them in marriage or whatever. They weren't allowed to get an education. They didn't know how to read. You couldn't teach a woman to read. They couldn't own businesses. They couldn't own land. I mean, they were completely disempowered, utterly disempowered. And that came about during the witch craze that if you just accused someone of being a witch, all their property was sacrificed, torture. And the, I mean, it was, you know, appalling. About 100,000 people were tortured and murdered with those persecutions that originated in the Catholic Church but then spread across Europe. It was a hideous, grotesque period. And women are still, today, we're still struggling, right? We've only had the right to vote for 100 years. And we've only had women participating in the Abrahamic days as religious leaders in the last 30 years. And it was a real struggle for them to get there. And they're still locked from the Mormon church and the Catholic church and, you know, make a and all the Orthodox, the conservative traditions, the Southern Baptist church, their attitudes towards women, appalling, appalling. And the world is suffering from this abuse of half of the population. I gave a talk at the, the most recent Parliament of the World's Religion on gender reconciliation. And I keep giving this talk that when faith treats women as less than equal, and that's putting it nicely, they break faith because, in fact, no religion at its heart believes, you know, that half of humanity is less than than whole. And yet, you know, if you look in the ideologies and the you know, the the whole the structures and everything else that's the way women have been treated and so we have a world out of balance we have a world that's treated as if it's disposable you know that it's just a, an object to be exploited by us we're completely out of touch with the sacred we're completely there is this disharmony between men and women because of the abuse of women the culture's out of balance Things, everything's changing things are getting much worse in terms of the earth but but i think much better in terms of gender equality and women's roles and women's ability to return to full participation in religion and culture. We've been taught to be afraid of our own power. Marianne Williamson had a quote years ago, years and years ago, which is still like the quote that everybody associates with her, which she got from The Course in Miracles, that, you know, it's not that we are afraid that we're not good enough. It's afraid, it's that we are afraid, you know, that we are so powerful that we could change the world. I think it's a mixture of that. I think that many of us are afraid that we're not good enough because that's what we've been taught. I know I certainly struggle with that. But the fact is that the world won't survive without the gifts that we carry and the wisdom that we have. The culture is changing so that people want to have their own personal 
experiences of the sacred. They, they don't want somebody else interpreting what is the most profound encounter that anybody could have. They want to have it themselves. And there's room in, in our world now for people to have it, and they're looking for it. They're looking for it with meditation. They're looking for it with yoga. They're looking for it with all kinds of spiritual, not, all, not religious. They're exploring what there is to be found in all sorts of the wide range of the world's faith traditions. They've left the houses of their fathers, right, and they've gone looking. Maybe what the last place that a lot of people look because of those lingering terrible negative stereotypes, the totally false accusations that of Satan worship, which was a leftover from the Inquisition and the accusation made against the Jews, you know, that it's evil and dark forces and all this stuff. The projection, basically, of male fears of women's power and sexuality and spiritual gifts, the witch became the object of those projected fears and a way of putting this terrifying figure between women and their power, their spiritual gifts. And it's not just women who practice. I mean, this is the indigenous tradition of our ancestors, so men practice it as well. In fact, the word Wicca meant a male practitioner, and Wicca, W-I-C-C-E, was a female. Wicca meant wise one. It meant a seer of the sacred. It meant a shaman. So that's probably why I hang on to the term, because the truth of what it is is the truth of what is practiced and the truth of what is seen, which is a sacred world. And the sacred world is the source of, of all magic, in quotes, of life, the embodiment of the mystery that people who are sensitive, and especially women, are seeking. To the, those who are listening, who are afraid, my response is, yeah, of course you are. Because you've been taught to be afraid. But if you're listening right now, it's because you are already seeking beyond the limitations of your fears. And there's nothing to be afraid of. There's wisdom and beauty and practices and guidance. There's a capacity within all of us to experience the sacred. And you don't have to be a witch and you don't have to be Wiccan to use the practices and have those experiences. They will certainly challenge indoctrination that God is male. They will certainly enable you to see God within others. It will certainly ultimately blast open any gender restriction, you know, on that, on notions and experiences of God. You'll experience the divine is not just male, but also female and as a power beyond gender. It'll rattle your cage, but I think most of your listeners probably are well on their way out of those cages. I would say, don't believe a word I say, just try some of the practices and see what works for you. It may or it may not, but it's not complicated. I mean, people ask me, well, how do you practice? The simplest thing I do is I get out every day. Not enough, you know, because I'm a um, I am the product of my culture, so I tend to be too indoors. I begin every day by going outside, no matter what the weather is, because when we spend time in nature, nature makes us better. It heals us. It heals our souls. It heals our psyches. It heals us physically in all sorts of ways. All kinds of psychological studies have been done that when human beings spend any time at all in nature, and it could just be your backyard or the park or even Standing at your window, you know, if you're living in an apartment in, in New York City like I did for so many years, you open the window and let the air in, and it completely changes the environment. It heals it, it cleans it, it purifies it, it energizes it, and it does the exact same thing for you. And you 
become a better person. You become calmer. You become more generous. You become more compassionate, more altruistic, braver, more balanced, healthier, more awake, more aware. It's amazing. Just taking a walk in the park and paying attention to what's happening around you, to the birds and the trees and the air and the sunlight and the seasonal dynamics, all those things have very powerful effects on us. I often recommend to folks who are just beginning this journey of looking outside of the patriarchal religions to read When God Was a Woman by Merlin Stone. I think that's an excellent way of taking us back to looking at the matriarchal belief systems. The other thing is I'm in the process of rereading Daughters of the Witching Hill, which is the story of the Pendle Hill witches. If you remember that situation, that happened during the Protestant Reformation, right after the disillusionment of the, the churches and the abbeys by King Henry. And so the world was moving into a puritanical world. But many of those folk who were mentioned in this book and who were tried for witchcraft had also been practicing Catholic. Yeah. And so there was a lot of mysticism and, quote, magic involved in their Catholicism and their practices of having been Catholic mixed in with the folk magic that they also practiced. So for me, it's, it's fascinating to have been in the process recently of rereading that because that's really a part of where we've come from and how we've evolved that I think an important piece of the puzzle that there can be good and there can be solace in all of our belief systems if we really examine the why of why we follow a particular practice. You know, I've been very involved in the interfaith movement for a really long time, and in part because I was an activist on behalf of the Wiccan community and pagan community, and it seemed a good place to go to, to begin to remedy the stereotypes. In the company of people of every faith tradition you could possibly imagine, you know, I found that I often had more in common with them than I did with people, you know, who claimed to be practicing the faith that I followed. So it's been a really empowering, eye-opening experience that at the heart of all faith is this belief in the goodness of the human heart, the golden rule, some variation or other of treating others the way you would like to be treated yourself, and a belief in the goodness of creation, whether you think that it's because God made creation and therefore, you know, it's God's creation and therefore it's in inherently good, or whether you believe that the divine embodies, you know, the numinous energy out of which all of uh, existence comes into being. In a certain sense, it doesn't matter. It matters how you treat one another. And any religion practiced, I think, practiced properly makes you a better person who treats others and the world better. And if it doesn't do that, then either you're not practicing it right or you weren't taught it properly. But I do think that some traditions within religion foster hierarchy, discriminate against women, separate us from the sacred, you know, teach submission rather than elevation, rather than communion. And that's because, I, you know, a lot of religious institutions have become political institutions. So that's, I, you know, I'm always like, and yes, and if you're practicing politics instead of religion, I get to criticize you. <laughs> yeah. If you're practicing religion, no problem. You know, we'll get along. As long as it's making you a better person who treats, you know, people well and treats the earth well, we're all good. But if your religion is an excuse for treating women without dignity, 
and not honoring their human rights, if your religion is a justification for war or violence or abuse, abuse of others, abuse of the earth, then that's not religion, that's politics. And then we get it, then we're going to have an argument. (laughs) Yeah, but for things to change, then we have to stand up and say, you're not doing your job properly. You describe that beautifully in witchcrafting. You have such a lovely section on your issues with the rule of three. I've always heard of the rule of three. You know, whatever you do comes back to you three times. But in your book, you say you don't really go with that belief for some really fascinating reasons. One of the criticisms that I heard early on from practitioners of other faith traditions who are just encountering with that, and, and I still hear this, is that Channel 13, the public uh, television, has a program on religion and ethics, and they did a section on within witchcraft. And I was so disappointed because in the end they came to a conclusion, which was just a projection of their own failure to ask the right questions and pay attention to the answers they were given. They said that that the problem with Wicca and witchcraft was that it really didn't have a set of ethics, when in fact mm-hmm. it's the exact opposite. I mean, it, it has the most profound ethics of, like, most indigenous religions. It's deeply ethical and moral, profoundly so. So when I first started to practice, which I was taught the threefold law, that you didn't, quote, cast a spell or, quote, do magic. And I put those in quotes because I have very different ideas about what all of that is now. You didn't use the power that you had access to through the techniques that we used that I think simply take off the blindfold so that we can see what we're truly capable of, the extraordinary gifts that we've been given. You didn't do harm anything harmful because it would come back to you three times over. That was the threefold law. So you don't send out bad because it'll come back to you three times more. And that was supposed to constrain your behavior, that you wouldn't put a hex on someone or cast an evil spell or whatever. It just always bugged me. And I, I could never quite put my finger on it. It just always and gradually I began to realize that it made no sense, first of all, because Wicca is shamanism. It is an earth based tradition. It at the heart of the spirituality is the experience of the divine as embodied, that it isn't God transcendent someplace else, having created the earth and human beings and animals and plants, and having left, leaving a a rule book behind, because he's not here, 